Welcome to the Yes to Entrepreneurship podcast. So real quick, before I jump into the conversation with this week's guest, I just want to let you know what this show is about. Really, this show is just about all the conversations we, entrepreneurs, those of us who are the why notters, have around entrepreneurship. It's the conversation that you don't typically hear because you just see those fun posts on Instagram and Facebook where we're hanging out on yachts or we're making a ton of money and driving these fancy cars when reality is that's not real life. Real life is trying to figure out how you're going to pay bills, trying to figure out if you're going to make rent this month, trying to figure out if that new client really is going to help move you forward or if they're really going to bring you down. Really anything goes in these conversations and you, the listener, gets to eavesdrop in on these conversations that I'm having with fellow entrepreneurs. So grab your cup of coffee, grab your water, grab your tea, whatever it is that you enjoy, and a pen and paper because you're about to take some notes. Also, be sure to share this out. Oh, here comes my guest. Talk to you soon. Where are you at these days? Because it's been a while since we last talked. And I been think a while. the last time we talked, you, well, I don't want to say you were in San Diego because I think it was, you were traveling and you were probably in a hotel somewhere. Yeah, that could have very well been the what's happening. Yeah. When I left my full-time teaching position, I decided to sell everything. And this is like the early stage in my business. This is and the crazy part. Yeah, this is the crazy part. Not that like all entrepreneurs don't have some crazy story that happened to them. But yeah, so we, you know, I was a full-time professor. So was my husband. Um, my last semester of teaching community college was December 2016. And it was, I was only, I don't even know, like seven months in my business uh, okay. at that point. And I just knew I was onto something. And it was just one of those feelings where it's like, I want to make this happen now. I don't want to wait. So, yes. yeah. And it was, it was, you know, it's not ideal to leave an institution in the middle of the <laughs> academic year, but I did it. I told my colleagues that I wasn't coming back for spring semester, which sucks because they had to, you know, find what you know, adjuncts to do five or six of the courses that I was teaching. So it wasn't ideal, but I wanted to do it, which is one of those things where I think when you tell the universe, like, I'm doing this and I, I'm like ready, it shows up in different ways. And so the way we made it possible, it's not like we had all this money saved. We didn't have right. this whole like perfect exit plan, um, but we had assets around us. We basically were like, oh, we could sell our house. Like why? Because we, you and I live near each other. Yeah, <laughs> we, right? We got a beer together up in Santa Rosa, the up Santa Rosa area. So we owned property up there and um, we knew that we would do well with that. It blew us away, like what we ended up getting for our house, but that was kind of the nest egg to really help me get my business going and kind of replace both of our incomes. Um, and so when we sold literally everything, <laughs> went down to like two big suitcases and two small suitcases, um, we did house sitting. So this is the reference of like, oh, I spent right. like nine months uh, traveling the world, being, you know, a true digital nomad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just kind of 
being lots of places like we we did some stuff in the states but we also went over to europe and um and it was awesome and we didn't have a mortgage to pay and we just had to get to these different houses and watch their animals and it was great um until it wasn't as fun anymore and it was tiring and and all the things but it was again another choice we made to just i think there was a couple things i think for the soul it was a choice for our soul to like be truly like not attached to any location and it was also a choice of like oh cool we don't have to jump into a lease or anything like that it we can like figure it out and so there was something about that flexibility um in that first you know year and a half of business that really helped um but after 2017 i think it was january 2018 is when we decided to come back to san diego so we have been in san diego now for a little over yeah two years coming up um next quarter so so yeah that's the whirlwind (laughs) and that's the crazy part and so like for me that it just blows me away that i mean one i can relate with the leaving the full-time job Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. being able to just get up and go and just be like you know what we're just selling everything let's just roll and yeah make it happen it's like how did that feel for you guys Mm. i mean that's that's really really hard to just up and leave everything that you own and (laughs) travel (laughs) yeah and it's a lot Um, of stress too it so there's there's layers to this like um because i I think the first part of it is like how did it feel um the first part of that is it felt i don't i didn't realize what it felt like until like a few months in and if you know how you look back on a year and you're like oh wow that was there was a lot happening that year and um, in 2017, as we were kind of, you know, sold the house in May and then were, you know, tr- like off into the world that that summer. And it was a I, I don't think I gave myself time to catch up like what was really actually happening. And there yeah. was an identity crisis happening. So um, and I started a podcast called Academics Mean Business by the end of that year because I started to realize like, oh, like I left my dream job. Like I wasn't escaping any sort of pain or like I wasn't like so like dying to get out, which is what I hear so many people talk about when they talk about their nine to five. Yeah. Um, being a professor was not that. There, I mean, I worked hard my whole life um, and I was so grateful and I loved my job every single day. Um, I didn't love every part of it, of course, sure. but but um, the core part of it, the teaching part, the being with my students, the part about being a part of a college, I mean, I mean, I loved it. It was, it's a very fulfilling and uh, job that takes care of you, the salary and the benefits and all that stuff. So um, I did feel like a tinge of guilt leaving because getting into the academic market and actually having a tenure track position at the community college level is um, not yeah Yeah, it's It's not (laughs) it's a very sought after job we'll say that and especially at the time you know when i got that job you know california was coming back from a recession and all this stuff and there was just not a lot of employment um full-time right there was a ton of adjuncts getting paid minimum wage but i landed that full-time job and so I did have, I kind of brushed it aside, unfortunately. And I just was like, oh, I'm doing this. It's so exciting and so fun. But then it, yeah, it caught up to me, especially when times got hard, right? Because yes. entrepreneurship isn't easy. And right. so 
I'm here looking at my husband who had yet to join my business actually at that stage. And I was like, shit, did I like make the wrong decision for our family? Like I became the breadwinner overnight, which was really interesting and something I didn't like think of before. Like it was my responsibility to make the money because right, I built this personal brand. So there's a lot of that stuff that was happening that first year that while I was living it, I kept kind of pushing it down. Um, But it did come to light really in 2018. And like, that was when I decided to, I mean, lots of things, but like decided to teach more in my business because I recognized I was actually running a business that I didn't enjoy. And I created a job for myself where it was like, oh, shoot, I'm not a one-on-one service provider. Like nothing in my career or my life path like showed me in this one-on-one capacity. And I'm like, why am I not like creating my course? Why am I not teaching? Like that's why I don't love what I'm doing right now. But it took took some time to get there. And um, so yeah, at the moment it felt exciting. Um, I'm definitely one of those like burn all the bridges kind of person. And it's, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I don't recommend it for people um, unless they're like me, it's like, I can't go back. And it just made sense for me and my family. But um, that excitement and stuff is what led me for a little while. But it's when you get into those scarier moments in business that we all have, um, if you start to question your identity, making the right choice, like what you're doing every day, what stress felt like, you know, in entrepreneurship, very different than teaching. Um, I started to realize like, oh, I need help processing this stuff. Um, And so of course I started therapy actually, and that was a huge thing that was such an important game changer for me in my life and in business. And that was in uh, spring of 2018. Once we came back to San Diego, um, I think that's when it hit me where I was like, okay, we've been traveling all this time. I'm running this business and I kind of feel like crap. What's actually happening? Um, and so the feelings kind of came to the surface. I would say I started to face them, I guess, um, when I started to recognize some things that weren't going, um, I wasn't operating at my ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's huge. Uh, some great points there being able to one recognize the issues and the things that are going on and then mm-hmm. two, asking for help, yep, help yep. That permission because so many of us entrepreneurs feel like it's just us it, mm. we're by ourselves where mm-hmm. it's only happening to us everyone else because we see it on Instagram and we see it in the Facebook lives their life is perfect yeah they figured it out right yeah yep Mm -hmm. or if i just made more money i'd be okay yep yep or if i just spend a little bit more money Mm. okay because it will come back (laughs) yep yep and that's just like that's huge right there and so you've you've done this this journey there and you've kind of gone through those ups and downs Mm -hmm. now that you are a little bit more settled in i would Mm. say Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like in terms of the business and like how you kind of shifted because you know traveling the laptop lifestyle yeah way different and I for me would be nutty because I like (laughs) to have at least a space that's consistent oh gosh yeah don't go house sitting (laughs) yeah and so um how does that work with the business now because you've made those pivots along the way yeah yeah well I'm yeah I mean I I got a ton of support and I would say in 2018 when I realized like oh like why am I living like this and you know why do I feel like this 
and I started getting help. I also asked for help in the way of having my husband join my business. And that was, it sounds funny because I've been living with this person for 10 years, but like, you know, at the beginning, he didn't really want to be a part of it. And we're like, oh, this will be his chance to find out what he wants to do. Um, and and he also was like managing all the house sits and um, all the stuff that comes with organizing that. So he was essentially like, yeah, the family kind of manager, I guess. Um, but when I just was like, look, it, this feels like it's time to go all in and I either need to hire somebody that can help me in a in a specific way or I feel like you have the skill sets to do this like I think it's go time and he was like he agreed and he was like yeah wow. he needed to be invited and kind of asked really yeah. and so um that when he joined my business there was something about feeling like I mean you mentioned that idea of it's all on you I mean yeah it is right like the money comes from you like you wear all the different hats in the business in those early days and so it is you and so for the first time in my life i mean here's a man that i met at the last semester of my undergrad we started dating like i don't know like a year or two after that but and then we got married and we went to grad school together and we got our doctorates together and we oh, both wow. got community college you know degree like uh full-time jobs he taught physics and i taught sociology so we had been just on the same page we just were one of those things where yeah. you can come home and talk about everything and your partner knows exactly kind of what you're experiencing so this was a moment in our relationship where i also felt like oh i can't talk to him about this stuff because he doesn't get this world right. which wasn't true right that was a story i was telling myself but like yep. I felt really alone when in reality my partner was right there, but I wasn't like inviting him in. But I felt like, like I said, I think it was the responsibility of the being the breadwinner. It was, you know, being nervous and doubting whether or not I could do this, whether it was the right choice to leave. Um, and so that's a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself. And so it was through like therapy and through recognizing that like, oh, some, so much of that, that year was um, me thinking it was all my responsibility and all on me. And I don't think that that's true. Yeah. And so the sooner you can recognize that, that you're not alone, um, that there are people in your life who love and support you, whether or not you're in a marriage or, you know, a, a, a partnership or anything, but who in your life would be there, you know, to help you see, you know, yourself through some of these big decisions or life, um, things that come up with your business. Right. And yeah. so, once I started to be, yeah, asking for help and recognizing that my success in my business had nothing to do with whether I was a good person and, and some of that other stuff that we put on, you know, how much revenue we're generating and how easy it feels. We put all that pressure on like, oh my gosh, I'm not good at this or I'm bad at this. And that's all not even true either. And so once I started just like, I guess, talking about it through therapy, I did a specific kind of therapy. I still do it, um, but uh, I was going weekly for, man like five or six months um okay. it was it's called emdr which is this really cool therapy that helps you kind of process and process things that currently trigger you potentially in your environment but going back to throughout your life and see where what moments are similar it's really awesome um especially for entrepreneurs and it was another entrepreneur who recommended it because nice. i wasn't i think it was one of those things where i wasn't sure 
I had any major, you know, traumas with a capital T in my life. And so I, but then I was like, why do I feel so bad? I've never felt like this before. <laughs> like, and even through academia, which is not the easiest um, <laughs> environment. And so I started to be like, oh, when he said like, because you're moving so quickly in entrepreneurship, because things change on a day-to-day -day basis, because you're constantly, you know, going out of your comfort zone, yeah. you basically experience mini traumas every day, like with a lowercase t. And oh, wow. so if that stuff stacks up and you're not really processing all those things that maybe did happen to you in childhood, but is now basically you're facing it almost every day, totally, you know, you should be talking about it with someone. And it was that moment of someone giving me permission who I looked yes. up to, to be like, oh, I, I am not, I, like, I can be better. It isn't just me, right? It isn't just this choice that I made or whatever, like the way I'm running my business, it's all these things. And so once I cleared that, because it did feel like my brain was like a messy attic and now it's all organized, but oh, like I, I still, yeah, it's, it's so true, right? It's like you just start connecting dots um, and it's, be it's beautiful work. And like now I go about once a month um, to just like clean it up, right? Yeah. To just like tune in, right? And, um, you know, I am about to launch a new product and, and when I go to do something that's kind of scary, I, I go and tune up for more, maybe a couple more weeks, right? Because sure. I can almost like predict like, oh yeah, when I'm gonna be doing something high pressure, I can actually prepare myself for that, like through therapy and through processing stuff. So the, you know, how this has helped me kind of create the business that works for me is I started recognizing, um, I would guess like I started creating more space mentally and yes. emotionally, which is so important when you're um, building a business because I think we can get into the hustle and grind and just like keep pushing. And you recognize though, when you like step back from a time of like push, 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 um, you, it's unsustainable. Oh, and, oh. and it's only until you kind of step back and say, wait, what could this look like? And like, what does sustainable, like healthy productivity look like? That's when I started to get through my stuff from my like past. And then, and that created the mental and emotional capacity to do different, to basically make different choices in my business. And so one of the choices was around, yeah, getting rid of one-on-one -on -one services. Um, I mean, we still have one piece of it, but I don't even carry it out. I have a team member that is basically in charge of the entire process. So I don't have to do anything. Um, but, and then just uh, basically deciding that um, having a course that sold Evergreen that was always available and um, continuously welcoming in new students uh, felt the best for me. That that actually, I needed the income stability and I, um, love teaching so how yeah. can i make teaching the center of my business i kept asking myself that question like what does it look like when the teacher lindsay from like college was running her business right that when i felt really alive in my classroom how do i recreate that in my business so i already had that marker in my life of like i'm really good at this i love what i'm doing how can i actually bring that now into this business i've created because now I have freedom and these other things that I didn't have from working in an institution. So um, therapy and like, yeah, asking for help all allowed me to be able to make decisions for me um, in my business and allowing me to show up in the way that 
yeah, I best show up. Oh my God. So I love that. Uh, it's so, so important about the mental health and mm. having that right mindset. And what you just said is huge because about the one-on-one -on -one and mm -hmm. making it for the teaching, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially when you start out, I think it's always talked about that it's like you need to get one-on-one -on -one and then you got to get yep. high-paid <laughs> one-on-one clients and there's various reasons around that but you know there's so much pressure to do this one-on-one -on -one, but if you're like you or you know even myself when we fit it we don't fit in those boxes it's like that's also damaging to our health because we're like what's wrong with us like mm, yeah be doing this one-on-one -on -one, yep but we're not motivated to do it mm-hmm <laughs> And so, so that part is huge. And so you're focused on then just selling your, your ongoing course. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. That's like the main, uh, income stream for my business right now. And like has been for about, yeah, the last year, I think I launched it in October of last year. So, uh, it's been about a solid year of running build a better beta, but also getting it into a webinar funnel and, uh, using that business model. And I am going to launch it again, um, in October of 2019. And we decided to launch it again. Cause we, I, I do like launches. There, there's also this whole other thing about like, you know, enjoying launches and um, the stress of them. And they are really stressful, especially if your income is dependent upon yes. them. And so um, really what I'm finding is a great mix is like using and combining both and launching maybe once or twice a year, but then having that like background um, course that's selling somewhat on, on autopilot. Um, and then I do have like a next offer that I'm working on. We're not releasing it probably until the beginning of next year, but it's the next step for people after the course. So it's been really cool to focus on one product, right? And yep do it really well, um, get the marketing, you know, as nailed down as you can, and then figure out, okay, if people are starting to go other places for this next step, what can I do to create the next step for them here? Um, and so that's what we're kind of doing. And then we're also, we're also working on software that I accidentally, I don't know, started like a month ago. So there's that, which is a whole other ball game. Oh, I love that. We are so on the same page. I of course we are. <laughs> I swear. Okay, so so let me back up for the course part because sure. I'm curious about that one is that, so you have the course and uh, we'll just take a look at what has happened. Uh, mm. So you've launched it. You've I launched it last September, end of September, early October. So yeah, okay. almost exactly a year ago. And so it wasn't open year round. It was a couple launches. Or no. Yeah. So I did my own process that I teach in the course. I ran a beta of it in, oh gosh, that summer okay. um, and taught it live and then um, did a, you know, big girl launch <laughs> um, plan for that kind of with, um, it was like a combination of like launch videos like plf you know jeff walker style combined with like a challenge that had a collective goal it's really fun nice. um and so that yeah i think i brought in like 75 students or something like that 74 wow. so it went really well i enjoyed it and then um basically right after that launch we went into let's make this an evergreen funnel and keep welcoming in students so we've been doing that for the entire year fantastic and yeah so when, because you, I would say you have a very well networked and big following just in general. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but 
when you're thinking about all of these things and the marketing wise, um, would you agree that it really comes down to not only having a good product, but really having that effective marketing? Because mm. when you, you know, cause everyone comes up with courses and everyone says, sure. oh, you know, come up with the course and, and you come up with the course and then you put it up and then it's kind of like, okay, where, where, where's all the people? Like, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like nothing's coming in, but I don't know. Do you feel like it does come down really to that marketing and making sure that it's properly executed? Mm. Or what are your tips around that? I think it's a combo. So I think the offer is so important. And um, we have to remember that when you're creating a course, you are solving somebody's problem. Bottom line, it is. And this is coming from, you know, a professor who, it, and this is why I love teaching about courses online, because I always use like, you know, college metaphors and examples. But like, my one on one course in sociology was there's like no marketing I had to do, right? The students kind of just showed up. Yeah. But their result that they were getting was this certificate at the end of a bachelor's degree or maybe an um, whatever it's called, an AA degree at the community college level, right? So the credits is what matters. And um, I had a lot of people show up in my class that had no idea what sociology was. It was kind of one of those fun subjects that people were like, what, like, how is this different than psychology? So people ended up in my class not really actively choosing for it. They chose it because maybe the time of day, right? It works yep. for their schedule. So, uh, you know, throw me into this new bit, new model where I'm actually having to fill my seats. It's like, yes. oh, <laughs> I have to actually convince people why it's useful on the front end right. because they're looking at a catalog of all these courses they can take, um, but there's no degree at the end of this, right? There's no like outside goal besides like maybe having a, a wonderful, beautiful business, you yeah. know, especially for my people who I serve, I serve other business owners. So. All that being said, in a really crowded marketplace where they could go lots of places to learn lots of things, lots of strategies, um, they need to know why your thing is something they should spend their time on, right? They're not going just for information. It feels like that. It feels yep. like they're signing up to quote unquote, learn something, but in reality, they just want the result. They don't care how fast it takes. They don't care. I mean, maybe as fast as possible. Right. But yep. they don't care how many videos, they don't care what your worksheets look like. It's like, can you get me the thing you're promising? Awesome. Um, because that's what I want. And that's really how you have to act on the outside. And so yeah. I think, you know, my advice around this is really truly solve what like someone's problem. Yeah. And the more you can narrow in on who that person is, what their struggles are, like how they're thinking in their head, how they're, you know, consuming information currently, then you can start to speak to them in a special way. And they wouldn't want to take, they would never imagine signing up for someone else's thing because it's like the way you talk about it right. and the answer you give them um, is unique to you. And so that then you get into the marketing piece where it's like, you know, the way you stand out is by really honing in on what makes what you do super unique. And, yes. um, you know, just to give an example for yep, people please. listening, like, you know, I have a course on courses and there's a lot of them. There's get, coming to be even more than there used to be. Um, and that's fine. Like I, there was nothing necessarily, I'm not looking at this and being like, oh, I can't compete with quote unquote, Amy Porterfield who right. just finished launching right now. 
Um, because I look at that and it's like, she does her way of, of doing it. And my promise is a little bit different than her promises. Yep. And who I speak to is a little di bit different than who she speaks to. She's also been in this game 10 years. Right. So of course, like she's going to have these like giant launches and, you know, this amazing following and this, you know, whole experience wrapped around it. And so, you know, I look at this and it's like inspiring because I'm recognizing how many people do want help to create courses and to make sure that they're really great and that their students want to finish. The fact that Amy's talking about what it means to be a good teacher, it's like, yes, because that's where marketing is going. Yeah. So I just dialed in on that. And it's like for the last year, my messaging has been like the marketers don't know how to teach right, <laughs> if right. that bothers you and you don't want it right and so you see how that already just like separates me from lots of marketing uh courses on courses and so i just went all in on that i went all in on my background and my education my experience and that created my own subgroup of people who are like i've you know i've i taught you know english and or like i've or I, i'll have people who you know, taught yoga for 20 years in person and they're coming online and they're like, I'm a teacher. Like I resonate with the word teacher more than even entrepreneur. And so it's funny because I don't even know, like pretty much Ed, probably when you met, when you and I met, I was yes. talking about how to teach better online. I, yes. I did have that line of messaging, but I wasn't like all in. And I was told early on that no one cares about teaching. No one cares about their students getting success. They all want to make more money. And I'm like, sure, that can maybe be the like a driving force, like on the outside, but like internally, somebody is really worried about making a course that sucks and that they're going to be blasted all over the internet that their product is terrible oh, and, yeah. and that's real and so um i wish i like listened to my gut but i also could have been like a little too early because that's another thing yes. when you look at marketing trends um you know there wasn't the rising facebook ads costs there wasn't these launches that started these huge like multi-million dollar launches that started to do less every year instead of get bigger and so that trend means oh you know, it's becoming a red ocean to kind of create a course and make that, you know, a business model. And so what was happening was there people need to be able to do it better now. They have to stand out in a different way. They have to stand out because they care. They have to stand out because they're worried about the student experience. So it did line up that now I could say like, oh yeah, it's really competitive out there. But, you know, if you're if you're over delivering in a way that truly helps your people, that's going to make people want to join your program. They don't want another crappy info product with a bunch of videos and worksheets where they could care less if you finish, right? That you're just a number to them. So now that the consumers are a lot smarter, they've been in a yes. lot of courses like that and they're recognizing that's not the best way to learn, they're now actually looking for products and experiences um, where there is a relationship with the guru, right? And even people who are doing these big launches, I mean, Amy has changed so much. I keep using her as a reference, but oh, like, good. I think she's such a great example of someone who had thousands and thousands of students, um, sold them through webinars, never showed up in her Facebook group, never talked to her people. And she did some inner work herself. Um, she actually like did some thought work and mindset work. And last year, man, she completely shifted that whole 
she started sharing who she was as a person. She started sharing her struggles. She started to not be this like perfect image of a, of a social media, like, you know, marketing queen and became more real to people. And then she started to go all in on her audience and that has paid off on, in dividends. And now, um, because I remember when I first started my business, people would say like, oh, Amy's not even like in the group, like and saying all this stuff. Yeah, and I now remember she's, hearing that. Yeah, and now she's completely turned it around and look at how it's paying off. And so I think it's an example of like larger trends of what's going on in the industry and people expect to be seen and to be, you know, cared for and um, engaged with, right? By no matter who you are, even if you're Amy Porterfield and have a super popular podcast, you're making the time for your people. And I love that. And I think that's really where marketing is headed. And so the more you really listen to the people who are showing up, um, and are engaging with your stuff and build them what they want and then do whatever you can to get them that promise you promised them, yes. you're gonna do okay in your course. And like, then you just figure out how to grow, um, which isn't an easy step, but that's, that's, the, that's the seed of it, right? Is like serving the people around you right now and basically solving a problem. Exactly, and that is huge. And that's what it always comes down to. And I love the fact that you have focused on that one thing and yep. really expanded that and when it comes to uh social media and the technology how how do you embrace all of that in terms mm. of you know not only marketing the course but just connecting with people to find out that there is a need for that because i feel like that's a very hard thing for entrepreneurs especially starting out to figure out well, who is my audience? Where do I yeah. find them? What what do they really need? Because I think they need this, but I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot of just imperfect action. Yes. <laughs> right? Like I would agree. because because even as I look back and and what like felt really painful, like looking back at what 2017 and you know, I was making money and I was solving a problem, um, but I didn't enjoy it. Like that's not a great thing That's either. Yep. Yeah. And so I think it's, you have to put something out there and then it's a, a mix of like, keep putting stuff out there. And like, you know, I hate even using the word fail because it's like, it's like so strong, but it's like, put it out there. And if it doesn't go, if it doesn't sell like you thought, or if it doesn't, you know, resonate, it doesn't mean anything about you as a person or a business owner. And I think that's the hardest part. And I think, you know, for women, like, especially we like equate that with our value. And so you have to be doing the inner work during that whole process. Because again, you're doing the uncomfortable thing every time, like asking someone for money or making something and putting it out into the world are really scary things. Oh, and yeah. so if you're not like working on that inner game, it's hard to not, you know, keep going like, oh, back to the drawing board. And it's like, I have students in Build a Better Beta who maybe sell two or three spots of their beta course. And they're like, oh, it's, it failed. And I was like, look, someone gave you money, like put it on the internet, <laughs> like yeah. ran a credit card, like let's now like see how we can grow this like how can you go all in how can you find out why they bought this like why did they trust you um how are they your ideal student and let's now just multiply the number of ideal students and i think way too often in entrepreneurship we're looking for some like magic offer that's gonna save us i've done it myself like it's part of the journey and we're like oh this will be the launch or this will be the offer and if it 
doesn't hold up to whatever your goal you set, whether or not you're even setting the right goals, which is a, a whole other thing. I think a lot of people judge themselves inappropriately towards like high, high numbers that doesn't make sense with their current like following and their oh, business. Totally, yeah. But um, you know, why aren't that has life that has like signs of life. Like it's maybe it's not like sustaining your business yet, but there's signs of life when someone basically pays for something. So what can you do to like do more research and not scrap it yet? Because if we keep starting over, you basically never build a real asset in your business. And what a real asset looks like is something that can sell, you know, over and over again and is solving someone's problem. And, you know, then you can start figuring out where do I get more leads or how do I get my lead cost down or how do I, you know, ramp up organic traffic, like all those problems. You can't have those problems until you actually have an offer <laughs> that yeah. like has been sold and validated. And so my, you know, tip around this is like, make sure it's something you love that you're not trying to just like create something because you know you want to make money around it but like but then when you have that thing and people have raised their hand and said yes then like give it your all it doesn't you know you might not you might have to nurture it for a little while and not shut down other parts of your business yet but if you know that there's signs of life there um figure out how to basically just resuscitate it or keep it going and make it you know get really strong because we just all too often just throw it away really really quickly and we're on to the next how do i make more money thing exactly yeah and and what um technology are you using in terms of the course platform are you do you have your own or are you using something like teachable I'm using Member Vault actually, oh, which yeah. it, I love. Um, amazing product, amazing product as it relates to um, you know relationship marketing and really kind of being able to see how people are engaging with your content and your material, both on the outside free kind of nurture side and then yep. on the inside as well for students where they where I can see where my students are and I know what they're completing and what they're focusing on and lots of cool automations you can set up um, as well. So it's kind of a relationship marketing sort of platform. Um, and one of the reasons why I really love it is yeah. for, for early stage course creators, people who are trying to launch their first course. And like we said, it might not be lucrative right out the gate. Right. Um, it's a free product and they give you 50 users. So you can have up to 50 students um, with full access to all their premium features. They actually don't pay well any features, which is kind of unheard of <laughs> when yeah. it comes to that. And you can basically create a like whip up a checkout for a product really easily. And it has subscription, it has payment plans, it takes PayPal, it takes Stripe, which is really literally the hardest part about what, which just sounds crazy is like getting someone's money is actually yes. kind of difficult. It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, that's why we recommend that platform is the students don't actually have to put in any money towards a learning management system um, before they've made any money, which I think is so really smart. important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So smart. And, and you mentioned team members and um, yeah. how has that been for you? Um, you know, Hiring your husband is, mm. is one thing. I mean, that's sure. still a big thing. <laughs> but hiring outside help, because I know I hear it so often from entrepreneurs is that, you know, it it's hard. They, they wear so many hats and they have no time and no money to hire somebody. Yeah. They also have no time to do everything. And so right. it's like that catch-22. And yep. how did you decide, no, I have to do this? And how, you know, how did that process work for you? 
Ooh, this is an interesting question. So like, <laughs> it's kind of layered and it's not necessarily everyone's experience, but the yeah. very first person I hired, I think you know, Joanna Novello was my yes. community manager forever. She's amazing. Um, so the, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but I was actually a member of 17 Hats, that oh, right. um, organizing software. They actually ran a pilot program where they matched you with a VA internally. Oh, no and kidding. And so she was my VA in, in my software. And I was paying more per month, could not even tell you what it was. Sure. But it was a really smart like way to structure it because it was like, oh, I don't really have to go like hire someone. And it's someone that knows this app. And this app is what gets me my one-on-one -on -one client. So she yeah. can handle my calendar and she can like make sure things are going well. So it wasn't a hire and she where- she was local. She was and local. She, and, I yeah, mean, fairly local. she ended local. up being local, yes. Because Which is crazy. Yeah, so crazy. So the, the story is she like got pregnant and like, they were treating her terribly. And so she basically comes to me and she goes, I'm gonna leave on maternity, but I'm not coming back. And then we both were like, oh, like we're gonna find a way to hire you. And yeah. so, whatever. yeah, so she was my first employee. So after that, we did work out a way that we could hire her and like, she didn't go back. But, and then from there, um, I made other choices as well. I hired Panaz um, who helps with like curriculum and stuff again. I knew really early on in my one-on-one -on -one services that I didn't, I wasn't good at like deliverables. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds bananas, but like, <laughs> it's true. Like I just, it's just not my zone of genius. And so I worked on hiring that as soon as I could, somebody who could help me with the part that I didn't enjoy doing um, with one-on-one -on -one work. Um, I do love showing up and like talking to my clients and I love like brain, like, dumping and, and brainstorming their course but um and offering solutions but i didn't love the like okay now i'm gonna go like quote unquote make your course i didn't love that part um so yeah so those were my first two hires and then like from there it's you know i think what goes hand in hand in all of this is like getting yeah. control of your finances and that is something that i don't think we talk enough about either in entrepreneurship um one oh, of the totally. first things i did was profit first mike mccallowitz if you haven't read that book please go read it. It totally changed my life. Yeah. Um, and from there, there's a lot of profit first like coaches and I fell into Amber. Um, oh, her name is escaping me right now. Um, but she helped me use uh, Profit First in YNAB, which is you need a budget. Uh, it's a budgeting software, but it helps you oh. figure out like, instead of in Profit First, he talks about opening different bank accounts. Yes. Um, but that was, that's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of work. <laughs> um, and so uh, in YNAB, you don't really actually have to have different bank accounts. And she kind of talks about how Mike wrote the book, not necessarily for this like online digital entrepreneurship space and yeah. more for like, brick and mortar businesses for the most part. And so she made a lot of edits um, for specifically like solopreneurs. And that was a game changer. When I started literally taking a certain percentage of every dollar that came in off the top and putting it in profit category and then paying myself what I wanted to be paid and then expenses was the last line. It's like, oh, because I, you know, again, typical accounting, we think it's yeah. the opposite, which is what Mike's whole book is about. So um, that was really helpful because then you start to see, okay, I either need to 
basically generate more income because I think in business that's it's like how can we make more money is probably the best thing we can ask ourselves because if you're constantly trying to cut expenses you're never ever ever going to get ahead because that one of the expenses might be more help which will literally double you in some ways and so so smart so I I like Brooke Castillo talks about this when and when I'm talking about mindset stuff she has been a game changer for me so I highly highly recommend her whole podcast and and her oh, okay. self coaching scholars yeah um, anyway she w- uh, did this whole thing on entrepreneurial bookkeeping and she was kind of like I just asked my people how can you go make more money because you're keep you know software is gonna keep it, it kind of has to be there these all these things yes. have to be there in business and like if we keep trying to like scrape uh, scrape by, it's really hard to like go bigger. And so when you start to ask yourself, where can I bring more money in my business? Or, you know, literally, how can I make more sales? Like that's the like crux of everything. And so if you're not meeting your numbers, where can you go get more money? And then when you start getting creative with that, I think that's when you can really grow your business. So if you want to hire somebody, how can you get more money right now to hire somebody? Like what income stream could you add? What offer could you add? How could you close more sales? Like what could you change your bottom line? Um, And I think those things are what contribute to be able to, yeah, basically make a hire for sure. I love that. I am smiling so big because that is so smart because again, it is that mindset. And we always think of, how can we cut, what can we cut to mm. make this work versus mm-hmm. what you just said? Like that's so powerful and such a game changer. Yeah. Um, I know that even, uh, you know, one of my clients is in that spot too, where they're, they're trying to figure out, they, ha- they have some things that have moved around in their organization. And so they have to figure out their budget and they're looking mm. at what they can cut and mm-hmm. what needs to be cut. And it's like, okay, that's, that's fine. But if they heard that part, mm-hmm. that would be huge. And yeah. I mean, one would... thing, one easy thing is just raise your prices. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, yeah. it, I, I think people don't realize like, or no, we do, but, it, and this is a person by the way, who's, dealing with money and their money mindset stuff has been huge. Like that's like the core of all of many of my struggles. Yeah. Um, so this is coming from someone who knows like, and who gets it. And it's, um, if your business isn't like sustaining itself, right? Like, and you're not able to pay yourself and you're not able to have a profit like bank and you're not able to reinvest back in your business. Um, you need to look at what you're charging people because if it costs to deliver what you're doing, even if you don't have a team member yet, um, then that's, what's going to pay for getting the team member. right? Right. So like, like recognizing the value of the work that you should be compensated for and going like, Oh, like, writing someone's you know course is kind of a big deal and i need multiple talents in this oh i have to charge more because i'm now paying for other people to help me with this it makes you a better business owner because you're able to better deliver better products and services right so i think we like looking at it and recognizing oh like i didn't hit the numbers i wanted to hit this month it's like 
where are you adding to your own struggle by you know undercharging is one thing or then it's like what could i systematize in my business that then would take me out of that piece so that i can start creating something else or start doing market research for something else because this clearly is a good thing that i could you know income stream i could bring in so it's just kind of a reframe about what the real problem is and um uh because i do believe too like James Wedmore says all the time, like what get, got you here will not get you to the next level or will not get you yeah. there. And it's so true. And it's like, you have to make, if you think you don't have enough money to hire somebody, it likely is because you're not able to literally generate any more money in like your hours of the day and what you're trying to do. So then that becomes like, what do you need to get to the next level? Oh, you probably need more cash flow. So what, what can you do to solve that problem so you can get to the next level? Yeah, that, oh man, that is so powerful. And, and that is such great advice because uh, that that entrepreneur mindset is yeah. not talked about enough, which ties in every single thing, especially the finances. And, and so many people get caught up in that. And that usually is what makes or breaks. Yeah, company, it's so you know? true. Yep. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Dive deeper into the conversation with this guest as well as others by going to yes2entrepreneurship.com forward slash podcast. Over there, you will find a list of all the previous episodes. And I hope that you'll continue to share out this podcast. And please be sure to leave a review in iTunes so that way others can discover this show and be able to realize they are not alone and that they have somebody they can count on to provide value and motivate and inspire them to keep moving forward. Together, we can make it happen. And like I always say, teamwork equals success. So go out there and do something great because why not?